Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I'll be interviewing Sarah Coleman of New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. A hilarious superhero, Sarah literally runs on pink glitter, unicorn images, cheesy quotes, and the most impressive work ethic I've ever seen. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking with one of my favorite people ever in the thoroughbred industry, now that I've put a lot of pressure on her. Her name is Sarah Coleman, and she works with New Vocations in Kentucky. And welcome, Sarah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's great to have you on the Horsewise podcast. And Sarah, for our listeners who don't know who you are, Please tell us about your work and who you are. Sure. Uh, again, my name is Sarah Coleman, and I work for New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. And for those of you who might not know who we are, we're actually the nation's oldest and largest racehorse adoption program. We service both thoroughbred and standard breds that are retiring from the track, and we seek to rehabilitate them, retrain them, and rehome them. So uh, we've done 7,000 horses since our inception in 1992. Wow. And we are able to help about 500 horses a year. That's great. It's That's awesome. Great. It's very cool. And what's your role at New Vocations? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to tell everybody it's cat herding, but Anna wouldn't let me put that on my card. <laughs> big, uh, big cat herding. <laughs> big cats, exactly. Uh, my role, I was hired by New Vocations in 2014, and it, it's kind of evolved. I, when I first came on, it was to do um, educational events. So I run our large author red horse show. Mm-hmm. I do. We do a 600-person dinner here during the Land Rover Kentucky three-day event that includes a demonstration. I run that as well. Uh, but the main focus of my job in the last four years has been building our facility mm-hmm. here at Merworth Farm. So for those of you who haven't been to Kentucky, I certainly hope you get to get out here. But we basically have a long-term lease of 85 acres on a 1,200-acre farm, which is that's the size of the Kentucky Horse Park, if you guys have ever been out here. And we are graciously allowed to build, we have two 15-stall barns, an indoor arena, an outdoor arena, and a machinery shed. And now, thankfully, <laughs> an office. So I'm not working from home, which makes me very, very Sarah, happy. So it was actually operating out of her car for many years. <laughs> exactly, all I did was drive back and forth. I was like, oh my God. So, but it's, it's been really fun. And we actually uh, were we're allowed to use an additional 80 acres behind this 85 that we have. And our end goal is to bring all of our horses and rehabilitation in Kentucky onto this farm so that we're able to, just so our facility manager isn't trying to run between, you know, four different farms. And oh, right. That, that would make, that makes such a big difference. Yes. And then you yes. could also have everything integrated, right? So it'd be easy to exactly. visit all the horses the same day, make sure everybody's on their program for the day. Yeah. That's great. And then just again, for people, I can't imagine anyone hasn't heard of new vocations, but but uh, for those of uh, the listeners who aren't thoroughbred you know, enthusiasts, uh, tell us a little bit about, you have multiple farms, not just in Kentucky, but out in other states too. We do, we do. And that thankfully is how we are able to do that many horses a year. We actually began in Laura, Ohio, which is just north of Dayton, if you all are familiar with Ohio. We started there in Ohio and we now have facilities in New York, an additional facility in Ohio. Pennsylvania, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and we just recently opened a facility in Louisiana. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think I was going to ask you about that. I had heard about that. That is awesome. It's been, that was really cool. And to be very honest, we were not expecting Louisiana. We mm-hmm. kind of thought we would go to Florida next. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rosie Napravnik, the you know, champion yes. jockey, she's 
just such a wonderful person. She actually came to Anna Ford, my boss, and said, I really see this need. You know, I'd really like to help. And she basically spearheaded that entire program. That's great. Do you there. mind telling us a little bit about the Louisiana initiative just because it's the newest? Sure, absolutely. So the way we operate outside of here in Kentucky is we basically find a trainer who is willing to rent us stalls. So we are just straight boarders. Mm -hmm. um, and then they take in the thoroughbreds from there. They put basic retraining on them mm -hmm. and then we adopt them out. So it's really, you know, it's that's a tall order to find somebody who's good with the horses, good with the adopters, savvy with social media, digital cameras, and things like that. And and Rosie, because her husband, Joe Sharp, was based down there and is still occasionally, had already done all of our homework for oh, us, which was wonderful. Rosie's awesome. She's fantastic. So um, Anna went down there. She was down there for 48 hours. Basically, Rosie showed her around the facility that she had said, I suggest you use this one. And we were well on our way. That is awesome. Yeah. How many horses do you have there now? We, I think we only have six there right now, but they've already done adoptions. We just opened. I mean, I bet we've been open for 90 days, maybe. I had heard that you were opening one, but I hadn't realized it was already open. Yep. So congratulations Thank on you. that. Thank you. And I'm we sure. actually, um, we are a partner with The Right Horse. Yes. Um, and they actually graciously helped fund our opening down there as well. Oh, that is so great. So we've been, we've been super lucky. Yeah. Super lucky. And I always tell Anna, I'm like, anytime you want somebody to go down there and yeah. check on things. Yeah. Right, right. New Orleans <laughs> would be fun. I would go. Yeah, New Orleans <laughs> would be fun. I actually think that it can be a factor sometimes where you can combine things to get people to come into, to see a horse, to see a horse up for adoption. It does help to be in an area that is at least, you know, within a reasonable distance to an attraction like New Orleans or like Lexington or to, a, you know, a signature track or something. It does really help because there are lots of places to get horses everywhere across the United States. And when you adopt one, of course, there's a little more process involved as it should be. Um, you're going to fill out paperwork. You're going to be checked. Your references are going to be checked. And uh, so I think that's great. I know I would go to Louisiana to look for a horse right? anytime. I mean, absolutely. And, th and that's kind of one of the things we, you know, we are super thankful. We have a lot of interest all the time about, can I open a, you know, new vocations chapter in mm -hmm. Arkansas? Can I open it here? And we do have some fairly strict parameters is, you know, the semis have to be able to get there from the tracks. Right. So it's normally within an hour of a main racing track, mm -hmm. thoroughbred or standard red. Um, it has to be near a highway. Right. And it has to be exactly what you're saying, easily accessible for people to get there. Right. So our two, our three facilities, we actually have four facilities, two standard red and two thoroughbred facilities in Ohio. And they're all pretty much like you're saying, you know, kind of near the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or right. downtown Cincinnati. So people are not as um, put out by having to get there. Right. Absolutely. Right. I will say one of the surprising things that I was super surprised at when I started here is that, and speaking just for our Lexington facility, probably about 60 to 70% of the horses that are adopted out of this facility, they never come and see. That is interesting. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. So explain that. Uh, we haven't gotten into it yet, but how, how New Vocations sets that up. Sure. Sure. So we focus very, very heavily on providing um, very high quality pictures and video of the horses, you know, either free lunching, going under saddle, you know, pretty much anything we can give an adopter to help them decide if this is the horse that is mm -hmm. of interest to them, we give them. So to apply before you can ever see any of our horses or even actually engage with our trainers, you have to apply and be, you have to apply and be approved. So that usually takes anywhere from five to 10 business days, mm -hmm. you know, cause we ask for references. People are super busy, which we understand. Uh, and then once you're approved, you can go on our website. We have anywhere usually between 20 and 30 horses that are posted on our website. Mm -hmm. And usually what we tell people is, 
before you're even horse shopping, put your application in. They're good sense. for two years, you know, because some of our horses go super, super fast, super fast, right. super fast. So generally what happens is they see a horse, let's say in Kentucky, and they'll email Leandra, who's our mm -hmm. facility director and trainer here, and they'll say, hey, I'm interested in so-and-so. And, -so. and they, that basically opens a dialogue between the potential adopter and Leandra, and she'll say, you know, well, these are the horse's quirks, you know, what mm -hmm. do you expect to do with it? Hey, this one might not be a match for you, right. but I have another one I think you might be interested in. So also at any of our facilities, our insurance does not allow us to let people ride the horses. Right. So they're more than welcome to come and watch them work, you know, and all that kind of stuff, bring their trainers. Um, but that's probably part of the reason why a lot of them don't necessarily feel that they have to come be here. Exactly. Because you're not going to get that necessarily that big difference of riding. Exactly. And I would just also, for our listeners who aren't as familiar with thoroughbred adoption specifically, mm -hmm. I don't know if this is, this is probably true for standard bread, although not as applicable. But if you, if you go to, let's say you wanted to buy a horse directly off the track from a trainer, you're not allowed to ride that horse at the track either. So this type of policy is very, very much compatible with the thoroughbred industry standards in general. So again, a lot of our listeners might not have ever adopted a mm -hmm. horse or maybe don't have any background in thoroughbreds, but just to let our listeners know, that that's actually a sign of professionalism that you set it up that way. And, um, and it's expected by people who are shopping for thoroughbreds, particularly uh, maybe to be show prospects, which I believe is a, a pretty solid Part of your market share is that correct it is and i i will say you know i started here in 2014 it's been very interesting to me when dealing with and i don't get to see a lot of our adopters you know but if i'm out in the barns and they're out there a lot of people are saying i want a, a makeover horse i right. want a thoroughbred i can compete in your thoroughbred horse show that for me has been very heartening you know because yeah. I, I grew up on thoroughbreds mostly because they were all my family could afford right um and you know competed just little local circuit stuff but I always knew I would never be able to have, you know, the six-figure warm blood right. just jumping around right. the huntering, right. which is fine. Right. Um, but it's been You're very so much cooler because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but it's very heartening to me to see that, you know, these initiatives that multiple organizations have put in place to kind of get thoroughbreds back in the show ring are really paying off. They are. They are. And then I'm just going to briefly again, because I, I am doing this interview series leading up to the Retired Racehorse Project's Thoroughbred Makeover in, in October. And this is something, those, those of my listeners who've been with Horsewise for quite a while, they know that I have a background in thoroughbred adoption, that I founded Lope back in the day, and for many, many years was full-time all the time at Lope. But the Retired Racehorse Project, you don't have to be a thoroughbred person to appreciate what they've done, which is they have created an event, a showcase event, where trainers from all around the country come in, they, they take a horse, minimal training straight from the track. There are many rules about how long, how many rides it can have before a certain phase. And then starting in December of the year before the makeover, they're trained and they come into the Kentucky Horse Park for this giant makeover. And I, I, I can't remember now, is it like 500 plus mm -hmm. riders get approved? Not everybody makes it that far. You know, things happen, people change their mind, the horses get sold or adopted. And what's really great about it though, is they have taken the time to promote cross-discipline. So even if you have a, an interest in ranch, trail, polo, uh, things you don't normally think of right off the bat with thoroughbreds, the makeover has set up these discipline-specific competitions so that you're getting a quality of judging, a quality of standard that you would not get normally. So, and as a result, and again, just from my background in thoroughbred adoption, the 
market for young thoroughbreds off the track has grown incredibly as people have seen these horses perform at the makeover. And, and it's great because they're making this appearance, reappearance in the show ring. And it's also helped, I feel like, to some degree, even adoption groups because now you have this built-in desire for them. And then, of course, if you're going through a program like New Vocations, and there are so many other good groups, we'll, we'll have in the show notes for everyone a list of different organizations. Um, you, you can go, hey, this, your adoption fees are what? They average about... 450. 450, and you're going to get 45 to 60 days training at minimum, mm-hmm. you know, letdown process. You're going to have full vet records released, video, everything you could want. I mean, who could resist that? So that's why I love the Thoroughbred Makeover from the Retired Racehorse Project. It's just, it's a very, uh, of course, it's just a beautiful event and everything, but it's also just so practical. It's such a, a way to help the horses and then by making them valuable. Mm-hmm. So that's my little, that's my little, <laughs> that's my little, you know, glowing recommendation of the makeover. So going back to the, the, that the sh- kind of people who are looking for show prospects tend to come to you mm-hmm. and that's a big part of your market. And that's also why they, aren't necessarily too worried about not riding them. Exactly. And we always tell people, you know, any horse that goes through our program can always come back to us. Right. Whether it was adopted out in 1995, you know. Right. Um, we try very hard, our, all of our trainers do at all of our facilities, to make sure that the match is a good one. Right. Uh, because we would prefer not to have the horse back. Of course. You know, yeah. we, we want to keep those stalls open for other horses who are retiring from the track. But we do always take them back. We actually had, a, probably about two years ago, we had a, some older horses that came back and we did not readopt them out. Uh, Merriworth graciously let us retire them Aww. in a sanctuary out here, which oh, was wonderful. That's awesome. uh, but the majority of our returns are not because of uh, poor companionship or lack of you know, bonding mm-hmm. with one another, one another. It's typically, usually there's a medical incident or a personal issue right. where the owner is no longer able to care for them. Right. And we feel, you know, we're grateful that we're able to give them peace of mind knowing that the horse is coming back into our program, back under our contract. Right. You know, they've got enough stress in their life. They don't need to worry about that too. And that's what we try really hard to, to make sure they know that they can always come back to us at any point in time. Once a new vocations grad, always a new vocation well, grad. That's really cool. That's really cool. I'm sure people appreciate that too. And, uh, just kind of going back on the horse show part of the conversation. So I'm sitting in your office now and it's got an <laughs> epic amount of horse show swag. Um, and there's a lot of pink and t-shirts and whatnot. And I associate all of this with you. So can you explain like the, the whole horse show fixation that, well, obviously you personally have it <laughs> from childhood, but also how that plays into new vocations and, and how you're helping these horses. Absolutely. So I think I had been here a year when Anna had said to me, hey, let's have a horse show. And I, I help and run quite a few local horse shows here in Kentucky, which is you know, one ring. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to the horse park and we said, hey, can we rent your hunter jumper complex, which is uh, two rings, a double schooling and actually a third ring. And they had said yes. Uh, and then they found out that they had double booked the park. Oh, so they graciously gave us the Rolex and the Walnut, which are two of the most iconic oh rings on the park yeah. for the same price as a double schooling. So that's actually how we got started in those rings. Uh, and pretty much what we do there is we offer, I mean, there's got to be 200 classes now and it's everything from super, super green bean right off the track, mm-hmm. right off the track, walk trot mm-hmm. to, you know, the three, six jumpers. And it's everything in between. We added dressage last year. This year, we're adding a whole series of trail driving, cool. uh-huh, wow. a couple other Western classes. And it's Neat. really is, you know, the, the same concept is that we really want to show people that these horses can do 
anything when they retire from the track. You know, they don't have to just fit in this little hunter jumper box right. and that's all they can do. Right. Uh, but we have since expanded. We're now in seven rings. We run seven rings. Oh my gosh. We are three days. Uh, we had 353 horses last year, wow. which in th four years was super big increase. And we had horses from 23 states. So that's yeah. That's amazing. So which, when you think about being an unsanctioned, unrecognized horse show, right. like, that's amazing, right? right? So we have combined with the, the Jockey Club Thoroughbred Incentive Program. Uh, Kristen Werner is the head of that. She's also coincidentally a very good friend of mine. Thank God, because nobody else could run that horse show with me because I make them crazy. Um, but she has integrated her championships into into our horse show. So oh, perfect. So anybody can come and horse show at the new vocation show. And if they are qualified, they can then horse show a third day at the Thoroughbred Incentive Program Championships. Oh, that is really cool. So, and it's, I mean, she gives it, like, we give out nice swag, but she gives out, like, crazy nice Super. swag. You know, like, crystal vases. And, like, it isn't pink. It is not pink. <laughs> okay. It is not. <laughs> They're unicorns. <laughs> Sparkles. Sparkles. Okay. But she's just, she's wonderful. And it's just been really cool because as much stress and work as that horse show is, I tell everybody, I said, you're going to see me cry on Thursday because <laughs> it's, you see these, these people walking down the ramp to the Rolex, which is probably the most famous ring in all of the United so States. Yeah. And they're crying and yeah. they're like, I'm riding my thoroughbred in the oh. Rolex. And it just is, it's worth everything. It's yeah. worth everything. But we focus very heavily on that show to be affordable. I was know. just going to ask you that because I think a lot of people have this idea of, a, oh, well, you know, Kentucky and Lexington yes. and New Vocations has this big farm and it's just all for, and it's like, no, like mm -hmm. that's the reason that show got so popular, isn't it? That's exactly right. So uh, we have actually increased our fees to $20 class. <gasps> oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> so uh, for $20 a class, you can ride pretty much on one of the most beautiful places I could swear in all of the United States to horse show. Um, we try very hard. We do... Um, welcome bags on all the stalls, you know, yeah. and it has like different places you can tour and mints for your horse and all these different things. Cause you know, this is the, we like to consider this the horse capital of the world. So it we is, really yeah. want people to love the bluegrass as much as we do. And what's really cool, what one of my favorite parts of preparing for this horse show is in every entry, we ask them to fill out a thoroughbred information sheet. And it's, it's very basic. Did your horse race? What was its race name? Was it sold at auction? How much did it sell for? Where did you get your horse? What's something interesting about it? Shockingly, the majority of people who come in horse show with us have never looked up their horse's race name. <gasps> oh, they have no idea wow. what the horse's race record is. I'm, sh I'm shocked. Right? Yeah. And sometimes these horses have won, you know, $250,000, $800,000. Wow. And they're like, oh my gosh, I totally didn't know that Joe had won all this, you know? And it just, I, I mean, they appreciate their horses anyways. That's why right. they're here. Right. But I think it adds a little bit more depth to they can understand a little bit more why their horse is the way right. they are. You right. know what I mean? Right. And then also get that connection back to the industry that produced them. Exactly. Right. And that's something that I think people don't realize. I, I of course, fell in love with racing. You know, someone took me to the back backside one time and that was it for me. Yep. I was just like, wow, these horses are amazing. Right. And I was, I was not a show competitor or anything like that. It was just, I just love them. Yeah, it's just yep. appreciation of the athleticism yep. and everything. But it's interesting to me that uh, there are many people who show and compete thoroughbreds who don't, who don't. No idea. Know. Yeah, it's no such idea. a great thing for them to know. It is, and that's really, you know, so we do some additional awards. We do most recently raced, most money won, highest priced at auction, oldest. I think we do one additional one that I can't remember. Um, but we give those awards out actually after it's, it's actually very highly contested. We do a war horse class. So oh, cool. we do a walk trot, a walk trot canner, and then an in hand. And the in hand has been won the last couple years by this horse named crushing. That is 
the most beautiful gray thoroughbred you've ever oh, seen in your wow. whole life. I mean, he's literally like the epitome of what the standard of a thoroughbred looks like. Um, uh, and he's owned by Georgia Keogh, who and her father, James Keogh, and they're they're lovely. And they, they have a thoroughbred breeding farm here, and they also clearly compete them when they're done. Right. Um, How cool is that? It's really cool. So this year, we've actually, we used to run it before our night classes and this year we've actually moved it to the very beginning before the whole show even starts on saturday because we really want to encourage the competitors to come and see these horses yes you know because they are exactly what we have we have talked about before you know the war horses are so amazing you know and and our definition for our horse show is they've had to have raced excuse me over 50 times or won over a hundred thousand dollars oh that's great i love that definition so we had i think we had 20 20 or 21 last year that competed which is i mean that's huge that is huge that's a huge class yeah i mean that's a huge class yeah so it's it's really really fun i mean we really enjoy it and it's it's just cool because these are all people who you know I would assume are more like how I grew up and traditionally couldn't come and spend, you know, two grand to come right. to a show at the park and everybody has thoroughbreds and it's so cool because they're all like, well, who's your horse by and no, 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 you know, and neat. we also do a, um, a stall decorating contest. I love to tailgate. So we kind of took <laughs> no, that into the horse show. I would have never guessed that about you. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. So, but they win bragging rights and they get a poster and this, they win, you know, a platter or a drink container that says, you know, battle of the barns winner, right, this right. and that. But, um, we have invited the industry to come out. Uh, we do two night classes on both Friday night and Saturday night, and we actually do create, uh, thankfully Lydia, who works with me, has this massive Excel spreadsheet, and it's everything from horse's name, farm where it was fold out, who bred it, where does that stallion stand, and we basically pull all that information and we send a postcard to those farms, and it oh, says cool. horseshoe bred, is competing at the Kentucky Horse Park, on, or has intention to compete, right. on these three days, we would love to have you. You know, and, oh, what a smart idea. And they, it, we also run concurrently with the Keeneland sales. So everybody's super busy. It's more just we want them to know that we're still here. Right. You know what I mean? We're right. still here. You know, it could be horses that they had donated to us 100 years ago or just right. have lost track of, you right. know, and didn't come through our program. But we just really want to make sure that they know that, you know, there is so much more of these horses accomplished once right. they retire. Right. More for them to be proud of, too. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Have pride in that horse after, yep. afterwards. Because, they again... If it wasn't for them, they wouldn't be at the show mm-hmm. at all. Yep. So, and so you started back in the day. You were a horse show kid, horse show kid on a budget. Oh, big time! Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Kentucky? Nope. I'm actually from a little tiny farming town in northeastern Ohio called Canfield, Ohio. Wow, yeah. I've heard of Canfield. Have you? We have, <laughs> have we have one of the largest fairgrounds. <laughs> That's our claim to fame. <laughs> but it is, you know, my parents. I grew up lower middle class. My my family worked very hard to give me the horses. Uh, my mom was a farm kid. My dad was total city slicker. And I think she's always appreciated the horses. And she made sure no matter what happened in that family, I'm an only child that that I had lessons, you know. And, so at, cool. and at 13, oh my gosh, 13, my parents gave me the most inappropriate horse for a 13-year-old girl <laughs> to ever have, ever. His name was Nightline and he was crazy. And they, they brought him up, they bought him off the meat truck because he was pretty. Right. And he was that horse taught me how to ride. Yeah. I mean, he, and he taught me empathy and he taught me kindness because he'd clearly been handled pretty roughly at some point in time in his life. But, uh, I was lucky enough when I went to college, my parents built a little four stall barn and we brought him home and, and he got used to my dad. My yeah. dad loved that horse, oh, that's so um, cool. but he was never very comfortable around then. Yeah. But it's, it was, he was the first one I had had who made me really realize now I wish we had had the tools we have now right like then, you know, because I'm like, where I'm from in Ohio, it starts raining in October and it doesn't, the ground doesn't thaw, you know, from the right. snow until like May. Right. So they lived in stalls. You know, right. we had very little turnout. You turn them out in the indoor to run around and then you got on. And I'm like, 
oh, now my horse lives out 24-7 and right. it's sane. It's shocking. Right, right, exactly. Go figure. <laughs> exactly. Go figure. Right. And he was just the poster child for, you know, ulcers and he had all these stable vices. And oh. I think about that now. I'm like, boy, what a different, you know, yeah. so many more tools we could have offered him. Right, right. But man, he was, he was, whew, he was hot. Now I love a kicker ride. I'm like, give me a kicker ride all day yeah, long. Right, he was right. a whoa ride. He was, right. he was like, hold on, hope for exactly. the best. So many circles. I mean, I can just hear my trainer, Sudaloon, keep circling, keep circling. Yeah. No, keep circling. I'm like, okay. Do okay. not use any leg. Exactly. <laughs> no leg. I'm 38 years old and just learning how to use my leg. I'm like, it's shocking. So you're actually supposed to make contact? Exactly. I'm like, oh, I just jam him out in front of me and hope it you know, doesn't touch him. But it is. And that, that horse really you know, set the tone for me to... I've never ridden a horse with as much heart as a thoroughbreds, you yeah. know, and, and my horses have all been very, very quirky. You know, my yeah. last red horse was my horse. He didn't love anybody else. And the young horse I have now just, he's a hoot. I mean, he's a hoot. He right. loves anybody who calls his name. You are his best friend. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I love that. I follow you on Facebook and Instagram and I love all of the red horse posts. All the best ones are red. That's mm -hmm. your, that's your hashtag. You got it. You I got have it. a, I have a big red, uh, quarter horse X race horse who is an abysmal racehorse. And he's a weaver, and he has the personality of a Broadway show dancer. He cannot work under these conditions, but he's super sweet. And then when he has his mild hysteria moments, which happen in new places sometimes, even new places he's been to before, but he just forgot because of all the glitter in his eyes or whatever. Um, and, and he'll get all hysterical, and I'll be like, do you need me to ride you now? He's like, you have to be on me. We have to be in this together. And I'm like, are you sure? It's just that big red horse thing. Yeah. There's something about a big red horse that just... I'm telling you. You know? And it's funny. So my last horse, I found him. He was 11. He was retired He was retired from the track in a field. He had raced till he was nine. Oh, I love um, those guys. He was really cool dude. Sat in a field till he was 11 when I got him. He had bowed um, twice. And the final bow retired him from the track. And then I got Chizzy at three. And it, I've never had a young horse. You know, my first, my first horse was, I think, 10 when I got him. So it, it's yeah. very different. Like, it's super different. Yeah. And what I find interesting, though, is that, you know, we, we get a lot of um, questions that to us might be like, well, duh, it knows how to pick up its feet. You know, right. you get on a van, it came from the track. But right. if you're not familiar with the breed, you don't know what you they can know. do and not right. do. But one of the coolest things I ever got to do with Chizzy is last year, um, they had game day here for the oh, UK yeah. football game. I have no idea how I got roped into this, but they called and said, can you bring your horse down? And I said, sure. My only request is please don't, please don't play a bugle call because I don't know what he's going to do. I've never right. been around him when he hears the call to post, right? So I unload him on, out of the trailer in downtown Lexington, UK campus, and I get on him and I'm in, oh, I'm in a race saddle, but clearly a very large girth now, which I've never sat in. I've and, sat in one once. It's like oh a pancake. Gosh, it is. And I'm like, I can't do anything with my leg. <laughs> And I walk around my trailer and there is probably 2,000 people standing there. And he, and I had, thankfully our trainer at the time had him on a shank and I just looked at him like, whatever you do, Don't do let not go. let go. Like no matter what happens, do not let go. And they, they, they count down for like the live TV thing and those people all screamed and had flags and that horse was like, you are all here for me. It was hilarious. <laughs> I love it. But that kind of attitude, you know, they've been around crowds. They've yeah. been around all that kind of I want, stuff. I yeah. want it. I'm the he best. was, and he totally like walked in there like he was hot stuff. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm afraid of this. Right. right? <laughs> but it was, it was, that was probably one of my favorite memories of all time. And I really can tell you if I had been on anything else, I probably would have been afraid. But, right. But he had heard it before, you right. know. Right. He but, was prepared. That is so cool. What a great story. Oh, it was so fun. It yeah. was so fun. So that all translated down the road to you being 
covered in pink ornamentation <laughs> in your exactly. office every day. And, that's and loving it. And loving yes. it. You halfway have me convinced that horse horsewives should come volunteer for your shows. You totally should. Yeah, I know. You totally should. I will I guarantee you, you will not be hungry, thirsty, and I'll give you a t shirt. <laughs> Will it be pink? <laughs> no, it's yellow. Okay. It has ducks on it. Oh, because I have to keep my ducks in a row. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. That's so great. Well, uh, as we kind of start to wind down a little bit, I just want to touch on one more thing that you and I had discussed a little bit, and that has to do with education. Because I know that whenever you run an organization of this size and you're dealing with four or 500 horses being adopted, not to mention all the rehab care that you're providing, Education becomes part of that, and that's what Horsewise does. We're passionate about education. We provide education individuals and also to curriculum, to programs nationally, all of that. So tell us about some of the things that you really noticed about the education demands that your organization faces. Absolutely. Uh, so what we talk about all the time is that um, specifically with injuries from which a horse has been rehabbed, whether it's chip removal, bow, that you know, condylar fracture, a lot of people Google on the internet and have these preconceived notions about what a, what an right. injury is uh, and if it is career limiting to a horse in a, in a second career. So we fight really hard to make sure that the information that our adopters and any horse owner, potential horse owner has, is accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, so our focus in 2019 and 2020 is to hopefully produce some short, you know, 30 second videos that just is one of our vets. We work with all three clinics here in Lexington. We work with Park Equine. Rude and Riddle and Haggard, and they're super good to us. And they also understand, you know, that we're, we're seeking to educate right. people. So they're always willing to be like, you know, hey, can I come out and take pictures? Can we bring, you mm -hmm. know, we're doing a tour. Can you talk to our kids? You know, they're wonderful about that. And it's really helpful to have someone who's from one of these renowned clinics say, yes, this horse's bow is healed. Right. He can go on and do anything. Will he ever be racing sound again? Probably not. But unless you're running a four or five star, they're never going to be worked that hard, no. you know, and that's where, where we try to, we try to not, not be mean about it, but we want people to understand that if you're going to kick around the two, six or the three foot, or you do, you know, even upper level dressage, they'll still be okay. Right. Uh, and that's where we seek to try to make sure that everybody's on the same page with to what is, you know, what injury did the horse have in its past career? And what are you expecting this horse to do in its second career? So we're going to try to focus on that quite a bit. And we have, you know, we have some blog posts that we're hopefully getting ready to launch a new website that we'll be able to incorporate on there. Because my goal is, as you know, someone who writes for new vocations quite a bit is when people have questions, I want them to come to us. Right. You know what I mean? Whether it's to our website, whether it's contacting our, one of our trainers, right. you know, we really want them to get the right information and we have no problem giving them. You welcome them. the inquiries because you have the, the information to share. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. Yeah. And it, sometimes it's hard for people. Social media is a great thing, but it also has some limitations in that people can share their opinion, but they don't always know where to find the information. And because it's just this big C. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that, as I've worked with uh, groups and individuals nationally, it almost feels like, I, I mean, I wouldn't have expected this when I opened Horsewise, but we, we curate material a lot. It's not that we're a vet, but we're like, hey, this is where you would go to find good vegetables. Exactly. This, these, here's the kind of questions. This is a reputable that, source. This is a reputable source. Yes. Or, you know, you might not be aware that there are some basic foundational standards you might want your horse to be able to do, you know, things like that. What, what is a normal progression? And so we don't seek to take the place of trainers or entities, right. but it's just education gaps in social media. When you have so much information, it seems strange that you would have education gaps. Absolutely. So I applaud your efforts on that because if you, 
as your your new website comes up and you can make that a really user-friendly portal mm -hmm. for people it's a lot better some in some ways than Facebook, social media, Instagram, Absolutely. because there's it's just quieter. There's yep. not a lot of other things exactly. like screaming on the timeline in that moment. Yep. And then you can focus on that. And if long term, you know, our education goal would be to make, you know, track bets understand that just because, you know, there are some injuries that they they can overcome, but they're super limited. You know, maybe they're trail walk only or something like that. So our, our long term goal would be to educate the owners, the trainers, and the track bets to understand hey, if you stop on them one race earlier, right. it would have a much better chance of finding a quality second career you know, before you exacerbate an injury that might be there. Uh, and also for them to understand that you know, not everybody wants just a walking trail horse. Right. You know, some of us want competitive horses and exactly. things like that. So the education is, is truly two-pronged. It's kind of, you know, we talk all the time about when we market, we market to our donors and we market to our adopters. Right. And they very rarely are, the, are targeted in the same way. Right. And it's kind of the same thing with the education. You know, we seek to educate our adopters about, you know, old injuries and things like that, what our horses can do and can't do, and also educate the trainers and the owners and just saying, maybe, maybe, maybe stop a little early. Right. It's funny you should say that because I participated in an education clinic in Puerto Rico and we brought a horseman who'd worked with Bill Shively for many years and now has his own uh, horsemanship and colt starting business. I'm going to throw a plug out to him. Gary Bailey, he's amazing for everybody who's listening. And uh, we had discovered, because, this is now wearing my low pat, we had discovered because of some horses we'd taken in for Puerto Rico, that there were some gaps maybe in some of these areas. This can happen. There's a lot of great people in the racing industry there too. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if we could help fill those gaps? And then of course, with my Horsewise hat on, what we do is education. So I volunteered the Horsewise side of myself for the, the clinic and we put together a great clinic with Gary Bailey and we went there and dealt a lot with you know, trainers, barn staff, uh, Caribbean thoroughbred aftercare did a great job of organizing the clinic with us and, uh, and the jockey school. And uh, they, they have a jockey school there. In fact, I think in the 2018 Kentucky Derby, four or five of the jockeys had originally come wow. through that school. I know, right? That's awesome. It's really awesome. And uh, there's, there's a, a sort of a level of performance, best performance practices, that includes being able to spot when a horse is about to maybe get an injury. Maybe they're getting a little bit fatigued. Maybe that might show up in some behavior. Yep. And so that was one of the things we talked about there at the clinic. And that was something that Horsewise is pretty passionate about too. It's about how do you That's become huge. more aware mm -hmm. of these patterns. It's not about uh, saying that you should be a veterinarian, but the horses do have their behavioral patterns and to be more aware of them, what kind of gets thrown off. So that's something Horsewise is very passionate about too, because it's idea, it's all about, it's not about saying that anyone's doing anything wrong. It's more about saying, hey, there's a way to enhance even the performance of your horse. And sometimes that means when you end this career so that they can then perform at a higher level in the next career. Absolutely. And the thoroughbreds are one of the few horses, in fact, that's the only one I think of, that can be high performance in multiple sports. Yes. And so that transition, that segue, is important. So I feel like Horsewise and Evocations need to, we need to put Absolutely. our heads together, no, collaborate. I, I totally and agree. Because I, totally I just agree. find it very interesting that that overlap. Mm -hmm. and, and it is, for us, it's very constructive, just like for you. This Absolutely. is all about kind of win-win for yeah, everybody absolutely you know? but it takes time as you know mm -hmm. it takes time it does it's a, it's very much a shift in thinking it you is know? and it is. and we understand you know if, if it's between running a horse and a five thousand dollar race 
or getting, you know, nothing but a donation letter from right. us. I mean, we get we, it. We get it. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. But if there's a lot of your horses that end up competing at your horse show because they didn't get in that 5,000 claimer and now they're performing at a high level, they're, exactly. they're getting championships, yep. that's kind of cool too. It's a different kind of, it's a different kind of uh, return on investment. Exactly, so, exactly. That's great. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to share with us as we wind down? Just um, our website is newvocations.org. If you guys want to learn more about either the horse show, any of the horses we have up for adoption, uh, we do a whole bunch of stuff all year long. We have a hunter pace coming up in August. Um, if there's anything that we can help you do, you know, I try very hard. I get a lot of students who have questions and they're doing papers or anything like that. I'm more than happy, happy to help anyone. Um, Sarah is very shy. I don't know if totally, you guys are totally so shy. shy. She's <laughs> very withdrawn. So just just be patient with her, everyone. If you get in touch with her, I, I can introduce you. Because oh, I love she's, it. <laughs> she's kind of just an introvert. <laughs> totally. But also, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We, uh, we have a lot of fun with our social media. You do. Um, they do a great job. And even if you're not a thoroughbred person, you should go and follow them because of the photography. And it's just fun. It's always fun to get a glimpse into another world, even if you are a devoted paint horse or whatever you are. Just try it out. And Sarah wears pink a lot. And I do. It's important to see this. <laughs> it's important to know this. Obviously, this has been a very serious interview. Uh, so serious. At Sarah, thank you so much for your time. Thank it was you. It great to have you as a guest. Glad to see you. Mm -hmm.